that ref has like the background of <laughs> bad stoppages. <laughs> <laughs> He's a good trier. I hear them come, the commissioners come back in. Okay, no contest. And I'm like, I look, I'm like, what? People are surprised, you know, people who watch the sport, they don't realize that these top 15 guys are nonstop competing with guys in the top 500. I should be in jail. Oh, okay. <laughs> or dead. I should be in jail or dead, man. Oh, it's going to break me. Look. Oh, I want to see how many of you guys I can just choke up. Without Keith here, maybe I could get a finish. Or at least I want to be a world champ, man. I want to be a world champ. I'm, I don't say it enough. Can you hear me all right, Crosby? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Clash of Combat podcast. Today, we are joined with no one at the moment, um, but we're just going to start it up because we actually have practice in about an hour or so. This pod is going to be a little shorter than the usual pods, but it is Dan Argetta. Now, he is a current UFC fighter. He actually wrestled for Parkside as well. So this is our third actual Parkside alumni that was on the podcast. We had Nick Fishback, who is a amateur fighter. We had Nick, our coach, three-time national champ, and now we're going to have Dan. So what are you thinking? I'm super excited. Are you actually? Yeah. Okay, good. I mean, wow. you said you said you got like a lot of questions to ask in like a little uh, bit amount of time. Yeah, I mean, I can just rattle them off. <laughs> you just as we're here. <laughs> what what's like one question you're most excited to ask? Um, I don't know. I just saw the pictures of him in Al Joe's fight camp, so yep. I just wanted to ask. I don't know, man. We'll see. We'll see. We'll, get, we'll, <laughs> we'll see. Well, I mean, so he was at in Vegas, like training at that whole performance center and everything. Sure. Well, right like he's got to have this some similar crazy stories that i'm actually interested to hear similar to who similar to dan who's going to be walking on the pod similar experiences who had the crazy experiences uh, us him oh yeah like, yeah. like wh- i'm just going to walk down the hallway way and brush shoulders with aljo and like volk like that's, yeah, that's normal to him is it is it he was in his training camp oh dude and actually yeah because volk was his opposing coach on ultimate fighter yeah you think there's beef i'm gonna ask because that (laughs) (laughs) what are you what are you looking forward to now like with training are you excited for the season so excited dude what is this right now dude (laughs) (laughs) what is this you don't like this i don't even know if i click record on that camera which one that one (laughs) you did it wait wait all right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Clash of Combat Podcast. We're joined with Dan Argetta today. How's it going? Good, man. Uh, you know, I've been in Chicago for the last week and a half, you know, making my rounds, you know, getting into different training, spending time with family, you know, getting to train alongside Nick Fishback, you know, mm-hmm. former alum for Parkside. Is, you know, former guest us. on the podcast, actually, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> former Clash of Combat alum. <laughs> yes. Um, no, it's pretty cool to be back in the room and... You know, see guys like yourself kind of, you know, making that next wave. It, it's pretty sure. cool. Sure. Absolutely. I kind of want to start off with a fun fact today. Do you have any fun facts on the top of your head? I'll, I'll start <laughs> off if you, if you want to think. I'll let you start. <laughs> I'll start off. Um, you know, a shrimp's heart is in its head. Damn. Yeah, that's kind of wild, but that's a little. I got an even better one. The moon. I oh know. Australia <laughs> is wider than the moon. I think I heard that one. Oh. That's a kind of wild one, though. All right, screw this. Let's let's get into it. Let's get into it. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to the end. I'll, I'll I'll think of a fun fact all throughout right, this right. whole time. Good, good. Well, uh, let's just right into it. Where do you think you're ranking right now 
Where do you think you're at competing with the top 15 guys in bantamweight? Um, I think I'm right there. I, I think that people would be people are surprised. You know, people who watch the sport, they don't realize that you know these top 15 guys are nonstop competing with guys in the top 500 in the world, and they don't always have the best days. You know, if you can bring that into a fight, sometimes. Sometimes you can consider yourself, oh, I'm top 15 now because I did that to this guy today. But if I were to compete in the top 15, that would be awesome. I think I would rise to the occasion. You know, I competed with the top 17 for my UFC debut up a weight class. And yeah. that, was, that was a shock to me. I was like, oh, man, I'm right there. Everyone always told me I was right there. Uh so, yeah, I think I'm right there, you know. When I fought Ronnie Lawrence, I think he was ranked like 32nd in the world, and that's all promotions. Mm-hmm. So that was pretty cool to, you know, ragdoll him. Yeah. That, I didn't that, even know that, that they went that deep into the rankings. Uh, So the UFC's rankings stop at 15. Yeah. But if you go on – there's a website out there. I can't remember the name of it. But it shows the complete weight class, every fighter for like the top – 500 in the world. It'll show, and it's every platform, every every promotion put together. Wow. Where are you on there? I think I just cracked 100. Oh, really? That's that's pretty cool. Which makes no sense. You know, I just smashed the 30. Yeah. So now it's like, all right, you only get... Maybe you got to prove yourself one more time up there or something. Yeah, so I don't don't really look at the rankings because of that. Yeah. For me, it's good because I fight up to that level. I like that. I'm used to it. Uh, for some other guys, I could see it kind of crushing them a little bit. I kind of have the opposite problem if I fight someone who's not supposed to be as good. You fight or, to their level? Yeah, yeah, I still get the job done, but yeah, you know, I, 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 I don't reach my full potential because there's no danger. I'm, yeah, <laughs> I don't have to. Yeah. Was wrestling your introduction to combat sports? Yeah. I, uh, so I started wrestling when I was eight years old. And I think I was 11 when I saw my first fights. And on the TV? Yeah. yeah. On the TV. <laughs> well, I don't know if you just going to person. Your dad's like, on hey, the, let's on go the, this event. On the radio. <laughs> <laughs> I was listening to the radio on a Friday night. No, I, I was watching, and then I think within a week, my mom took me to, to Best Buy, and I had a $20 bill. And she said, yeah, get whatever you want. And... I went to the $5 bin, and I grabbed a few UFC DVDs. Mm. I grabbed George St. Pierre versus Matt Hughes. Um, Frank Trigg versus Matt Hughes. And Tito Ortiz, Chuck Liddell. Nice. Those are the three DVDs I grabbed. Jeez. And so I was watching them. DVDs. Watching them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bro, even better. I was watching them on a little portable DVD player that you put it like behind the seat of a car yeah. oh my goodness. and i had it in my bedroom because my parents wouldn't give me a tv <laughs> so i had it in my bedroom and i'm watching these fights and i remember watching george st pierre and just being like whoa where where did this guy come from he can mm-hmm. out wrestle matt hughes i'm like Phew. you know being an illinois boy you, you just yeah you, if you if you're in the world of fighting fighting back in you know 10 years ago all you thought was Matt Hughes. Matt Hughes, you know, if you could wrestle, you can win. 
And then uh, seeing George St. Pierre fight, and then my first uh, my first time like talking about it to people was career day in fifth grade. <laughs> and I said, I want to become a professional cage fighter and that I want to train in Albuquerque, New Mexico under Greg Jackson where George St. Pierre trains. Wow. That, that's pretty cool. 23 years old. That teacher from career day messaged me on Facebook saying, wow, you're really doing it, kid. I was like, what? And she told me, I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, I forgot. Like, I remember making the brochure. There was a, a Greg Jackson's MMA logo on there. There was a picture of George St. Pierre, a UFC cage, a UFC logo, a tap-out logo because I was talking about, like, how these fighters get paid, and it was it was spectacular. Like, That's pretty I, cool. That, that is very well. The power manifestation yeah, right there. Yeah, man, I was a little kid. I, and then I forgot about it. Yeah. yeah. I just kept wrestling, kept losing, <laughs> <laughs> kept getting beat up, and, you know, 15 years later, I'm, I'm doing it. How did that path go for you to get into the UFC? What were the steps that you took? <clears throat> So my mentor, Cub Swanson, kind of took me under his wing. I was uh, I was coaching for Izzy Martinez down in Chicago, and I was a little knucklehead. Am I allowed to swear on here? Yeah. yeah. I was a shithead. <laughs> I was worse than a knucklehead. And he brought in Cub Swanson and Juan Archuleta, Purdue alum, brought them in to train. I didn't know who these guys were. At the time, the most MMA I got was grappling with Anthony Pettis. I didn't know who Anthony Pettis was. What? I didn't know these guys. I Dude. told you, I forgot about the sport for, from 11 years old till I was 22. That's crazy. I didn't know who these guys were. And I'm like, okay. And Izzy gives me a pair of gloves and says, all right, try to take him down. I'm like, with the wall? He's like, yeah, with the wall. I'm like, okay. And I just run forward, and I just get two-pieced. By Cub Swanson. <laughs> Two black guys. I had a job interview the next week, and I didn't get the job. Because <laughs> I, the ladies, it was two ladies. It was for a Microsoft office. You didn't even Chicago. get the interview. Just walked in. Dude. Walked out. <laughs> <laughs> they're just looking at me. At a table like this. They're just looking at me. And I'm like, oh, this don't look good. <laughs> I'm probably not going to get this job. And, yeah, that was my first intro to MMA in about... Eight months later, I was in New Mexico training Holly home, and I was about to leave. I was there for like three weeks. And Cub Swanson goes, hey, do you want to stay for another month? And I was like, uh, sure. <laughs> so I stayed for another month and trained with him, lived with him in a hotel, and then it was time for me to go home. I'm like, I don't got a flight home. He goes, no, you're coming to my fight with me. And I was like, okay. He was fighting uh, Tatsuya Kawajiri. Japanese wrestler built like me I didn't realize I thought that I was just cool <laughs> but he had <laughs> he me in, yeah he had me in to mimic this small stocky Japanese wrestler mm -hmm. and so I went out to his fight with him and that was the first fight I first MMA fight I've ever been to it was a UFC Salt Lake City this is before the apex when that everything yeah. was live and I fell in love right there I was like wow I took a picture on my phone of the arena because I had a good seat. Took a picture and I was like, okay, by the time I'm 28, I'll be here. And mm -hmm. I told my dad, my dad was like, ah, how long are you gonna do this? These guys don't make it, you know, it's 
there's so many of people trying to do it. I'm like, no, I could do it. I could do it. I'm focused. I could put my mind to it. He's like, whatever. Fine, until you're 28. And that summer, I went back to Izzy's, coached for that year, and I was just anxious. I wanted to get back to New Mexico and start training, but he had me coaching wrestling. Like I said, I was a shithead. <laughs> Big one. And you just get into trouble? Yeah. Just doing stupid stuff? Stupid, <laughs> dangerous. I, you know, I, I should be in jail <laughs> or dead. I should be in jail or dead, man. Like I, you know, I, I had a bit of a, a party problem at the time. I still had it. I was nothing. I was nothing. And I, I lived like a wild man, like I was something, like I can get away with this stuff. Mm. And it just, it was, it was ass backwards. Um, but I got in a bit of trouble and I just remember Izzy said, you're done. You'll never train again. You're done. Go get a job. You know, he was like, you're, you're going to die a drunk. You're done. Mm. And I was like, shit, man. Okay. Cub Swanson texts me like two days after and I'm like, fuck. I guess Izzy messaged him. He goes, hey man, uh, when are you heading out to California? to go train with him for another camp. And I was like, uh, did you talk to Izzy yet? He's like, no, why? I'm like, I got into a bit of trouble. Sent him a long message. Like, and at the end it just said, can you talk to Izzy and like, put in a word for me? And right then and there, no message. He was like typing and then stopped. And I'm like, oh shit. A week went by, nothing. Another week goes by, nothing. Haven't even talked to Izzy. And he just, one day, hey, call Coach Izzy. So I call him. Izzy's like, meet me at this restaurant. So I meet him at the restaurant. I get there, small little restaurant, as big as this room, but packed. Mm. <sighs> you got my, my airplane ticket on the table in front of Izzy. And he's like, why should I give you this ticket? And I'm like, Coach, I... I can turn my life around. I really want to do this. Give me the opportunity. I could do it. I gave you the opportunity. This now nah, you're, you're gonna die a drunk. You're a drunk. You're broken. You're you'll never change. And I'm just like, man, he might be right. <laughs> he might be right. <laughs> and at the end, he's like, I gotta go. Here's this plane ticket. He goes, you're Cubs' problem now. Wow. And I was just like. Okay. <laughs> took, it, took it and ran. There was no return flight, just a flight to California. And I knew that Cub, you know, he was going to go finish camp in New Mexico. But so I had, I take my flight out to California. And Cub texts me, hey, my wife's going to pick you up from the airport. And I'm like, okay. So she picks me up from the airport. And the whole time in my head, I'm wondering. Oh man, does this lady know, like, that I'm a troublemaker, <laughs> that I'm in trouble? Like, oh shit! Or like the cops looking for you? Like, no. <laughs> California? No, just, just, just a bad. I had bad character qualities at okay. the time, and I was just like, it was a quiet car ride, like, kind of like nervous. I'm like, oh man, I'm gonna be living in this lady's house for a month, and then I get to Cub's house. And he gets home from practice, and he goes, 
All right, here's your bedroom. It's a small, tiny bedroom, a mattress on the ground, no sheets on it, a blanket, a pillow, and a laundry hamper. Hmm. He goes, there might be towels in the bathroom. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. And he's like, coffee's on at 8, wake up, go run, have coffee. Then we got training, go get lunch, lay down, take a nap. You go run again. Then we train it, or we have strength and conditioning, and then train at night. Don't basically don't go out, don't do anything. Your li- here's your little iPad. Just stay put, stay out of trouble. <laughs> so I did that for a month or two months. You know, it was basically like putting me through like AA, yeah, <laughs> like boot camp. You know, just all I'm doing is training three, four times a day, and staying on the straight and narrow. And at the end of that camp, he goes, he goes, all right, we leave for New Mexico next week. And I'm like, what? I'm like, I can't go there. Is he kicked me out? Like, I, I can't go there. He's like, no, you're good. We're going. So we go to New Mexico. No, we're there for a month. We drive there. And at the end of that month, I'm like, yo, I don't have a return flight again. <laughs> and he goes, he goes, no, you're coming to my fight with me. So I go to the fight with him. And then after the fight, I'm like, okay, where do I go now? Sends me back to New Mexico. He's like, you're going to stay there and train for a while. And then you're going to drive my car back to California. I'm like, okay. So after the fight, I'm in New Mexico. He's like, hurry up, make it back to California. You have a fight in two months. So then I end up living with him for another two months. And from there on, my fucking life just went, just everything was fighting. Mm. Everything was fighting. And I didn't look back because I... You know, I had a couple rules that he made me follow. Don't say no to a fight. Don't say no to a training opportunity. Someone better than me, farther than me, whatever it is, says, hey, Dan, can you be in California to train with me? When? Mm-hmm. When? Are you getting my flight? Do I have to drive there? I'll make it. I'll be there. And so that's why I tell these new fighters, don't say no. You never know what that, that might leap, lead into. Yeah, that leap might bring you somewhere Far. It brought me far following those couple rules. Who are some guys you have been training with? Like the biggest names. You said Holly Holm. At the time, at the time it was, you know, I brought I got brought off for Holly. And then Cub was actually ranked fourth on the planet at Featherweight when we started training. Um, Juan Archuleta, you know, TJ Dillashaw. I got to train with Aaron Pico before he made the move to New Mexico. A little bit more, like, kind of introduce him, like, to going out there, which was awesome, you know, to see his career skyrocket. Uh, shoot, man, I can go up and down the list. John Dodson, Ray Borg. Ray Borg's another one that kind of helped my career, you know. My first time being in New Mexico by myself without Cub was actually to coach Ray for a world title fight. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. So I was like, that's when I met my girl. So my girl sees me as this young stud <laughs> coaching someone for a UFC world title living we're living in a trailer in the middle of the desert <laughs> dang dude it was wild <laughs> it was wild but uh who else uh what she was just like ringside my girl yeah no no she's from she's from New Mexico I met her on Tinder oh nice. <laughs> of course shout out to Tinder <laughs> shout out to Tinder what was the Riz line I was I was staying in a hotel Ray Borg was out of town for the weekend and and we were Snapchatting, and I sent her I sent her a picture, and I'm like, 
hey, come to the hotel, let's go swimming. Because I was <laughs> hanging out by the pool, you know, my weekend <laughs> off. And she just messaged back, no way. <laughs> <laughs> She's a good girl. That was a test. <laughs> The Dopa Band is a resistance band used for building muscle and improving athletic performance. The unique thing about it is that it's longer, stronger, and more elastic than any other resistance band. With Dopa, you can work on strength, endurance, technical skills, and muscle growth. Dopa can be used as a portable multi-trainer that you can carry with wherever you go to even the most beautiful places in the world. Join Dopamino and the world's number one resistance bands with the largest online training center. And a word about our service, full one-year warranty for quick delivery to your home. If you don't like it, we'll give you your money back. So there is no more excuses. Join Dopamino today to change your workout routine forever. Testing. You didn't want her to go. Yeah, I was <laughs> testing her. No, it, it was uh, cool. I can go up and down the list of guys. Well, you were, you were in, uh, I remember the last time we tried setting this up, you were in New York with Aljo's camp. No, no, no. Aljo was in California with Oh, Arf. that's what it was. Yeah. Oh. He was with our camp. Him, uh, Marab. That room was crazy. Uh, it was Aljo, Marab, JP Bays, uh, Messick, the the gun. He's, he's a 145er, the Armenian guy. Uh, Brian Ortega, Rafa Garcia, Cub Swanson, Juan Archuleta. Jeez. Do you get starstruck when you walk into like that training room? No. You see those guys? No. Why don't don't you think that is? I'm not, I. I mean, he's I that wanna, guy now. Yeah, I, yeah <laughs> you got to think that yeah. way, man. Yeah. You know, you only get the respect if if you respect them, they'll respect you. You treat them like you're equal. That's how they're gonna treat you. So it's pretty cool that way. Mm. If you try to treat them as your equal and they don't respond that way all right we're fighting <laughs> now, now we're not friends now we don't like each other would you want cool. beef with every fighter that you have does that help no 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 dude i'm 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 different i'm different i like to smile i like to smile i i have fun if if you're in a training room and i'm in there you'll just hear laughing because mm. i'm laughing i'm smiling making fun of poking <laughs> you know it's training it's sure. not it's not competition it's it's a it's a time for me to go in there, find my flow, and learn. Find my flow, learn, try all my new stuff, see what's successful, see what's not. That's how I think of training. Mm -hmm. So I, to find beef in the training room, I don't care much for it. I don't get paid in the training room. Mm. You know, When I get out to a fight, it's almost the same thing. I'm, I'm very much, you know, even like my walkout songs. I walked out to Elvis this last fight. Mm. I'm like, you get me into the cage smiling, oh, I'm going to be dangerous. <laughs> now it's like the room it's it's fun so it, no I, I don't look for the beef honestly okay. and Did i you, know that sells fights but i'm like eventually when fighting's done my future employer is going to look at all the shit i said on twitter all the stuff i said interviews and they're gonna be like oh this guy's moron like why would he I can't have him work for me you know I, I want to be someone that my dad's proud of mm. someone that the coaches are proud of someone you know a people's champ someone that your mom can watch my fights and be like oh that kid is so nice he's funny he's cool like be like Dan you know I want people's parents to be like Dan you know that that's my goal so that you don't get that from shit sure. talking yeah you you said I'm just going to retrace like maybe a minute ago. You said, you know, after UFC once 
you don't want your future employer to see that. Is that like a goal you want to work somewhere after the UFC or how? No, but not a normal. I don't think I'll ever have like a normal job. Mm -hmm. Shout out to all the people with normal jobs. Nothing's wrong with that. I just, I, right now I have the coolest job in the world. So I got to, I got to set the bar high for the next, the next opportunity. Mm -hmm. uh, when I say future employer, I mean anyone that's going to give me an opportunity to do something. Anyone, anyone, a sponsor, anyone, mm -hmm. you know, I want to make sure that my values are in line with theirs. Okay. Makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. What is, what's the end goal for fighting? Or at least I want to be a UFC. world champ, man. I want to be a world champ. I'm, I don't say it enough. I say it to myself when I'm when I'm driving. I'm like, oh, you still want to be a world champ? It's going to be hard. Oh. Yeah, you want to be a world champ. And I, I'll convince myself. But when I let people know, like, oh, what's the goal? I want to be a world champ. That That's the obvious goal. But it, it takes time. It takes lessons. It takes experiences. You know, it doesn't just happen overnight. So a lot of, a lot of guys who are going to start fighting, like, remember, have, have those big goals. But you gotta flip every stone on the way there. It's gonna, there's gonna be a lot of rocks. Mm -hmm. You know, you gotta you gotta get past everything to get there. Mm -hmm. If you if I just gave someone the opportunity tomorrow that didn't work for it, they're gonna throw it in the garbage quickly. Yeah. Every fighter has their own timeline. How much longer do you think you're gonna stay in this fight game? Oh, I'm crazy, man. Uh, so my mentor, he is 39. He will be 40. And he's still got two fights on his contract. Mm. Um, See, he's using them for yeah. sure. Yeah, really. Yeah, man. He wants to buy more houses. Really? Yeah, hell yeah. He's a smart guy. Yeah. Um, another mentor of mine. He was a special forces guy. Shout out to Coach Diori. Um, he said that he was at his peak, physical mental performance at 42, 43 years old. Mm. When he got past, you know, 42, 43, he always said, oh, man, I wish I was still doing it. I felt good until 42, 43. I don't want to be 35, stopped, and then be 42 or 43 and be like, man, I feel great right now. I'm still going to be on the mats. I'm still going to be training. Like, I don't want to waste it. Mm -hmm. You know, I would like to go until I'm 42. You know, I want to have kids when I'm mid-30s, and I, I want my kids to be able to at least see once or twice what dad does. Sure. So. That's pretty cool. How soon would you put your kids in wrestling? I think I'd want them on the mats. For Out the womb? Yeah. <laughs> they're going to be on the mats, but competing when they're ready. When they're ready, you, you don't want to – Hey, I don't have no kids. I'm not telling people how to do it, but you don't want to force it. You gotta, mm -hmm. you gotta love the sport. It's not a sport you do if you don't love it. There's sure. way easier sports to do. There's, there's way easier hobbies to pick up. Um, you know, same goes with fighting. There's way easier ways to make money. Way easier ways to get famous. Mm -hmm. Like, if, if that's why you're fighting, wrong, wrong job. Yeah. Um, I think. F I would probably have my kids on the map by, by the time they're walking. I'm, they're going to be gym babies, man. My girl's going to be a dentist in a year. So those kids are going to be coming to the gym with me. With clean teeth. Yeah, <laughs> clean teeth. You know, they're, 
yeah, it, they're probably going to be on fast. Sure. It would be cool to see them compete by the time they're eight. You know, imagine five years of preparation. You make that kid hungry to compete. They see all their friends coming home with medals and the shirts that say kids open. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, you, your kid's going to be like, I want this shirt. Yeah. You, know, you don't get it unless you compete. No. You make the kids hungry. Are, are you driven by, like, the awards, the trophies, the belts early on even to now? The gold necklaces. Yeah, you got right. <laughs> it's one of my favorite gifts I ever got. Oh, you got the gifted? Yeah, from my mom. Oh, really? that's awesome. Yeah, my mom got it made for me the Christmas after the Ultimate Fighter. And then my girlfriend's parents, my in-laws, got me the chain to match with it. Perfect. Where did the name The Determined come from? Izzy Martinez. We were just sitting around on the mats, and he's like, you need a nickname. Uh, I think Dan the Determined, man. And I was, like, laughing. And I changed my Instagram handle to that. <laughs> and it, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. It was a name I lived into. You know, Superman wasn't Superman when he was born. It's a name that you have to earn. Sure. You know, and I felt like right away, you know, you have to fake it till you make it. With the name, I faked it, faked it, faked it, and made little changes until my character changed to what I am today where I'm proud of myself. Mm. I'm not satisfied, but I'm, I'm proud of myself, man. I, I changed a lot. I've fixed a lot of things, and I'm still driven. I'm still driven to do more and be mm. better. So it's, yeah, that's where the chain came from. Yeah. And then we are running short on time, but I do want to ask this question about your last fight. Mm-hmm. Coming off, obviously, dominating the guy. I mean, you had him in the – you had guillotine on top. Mm-hmm. The ref calls the, calls the fight, and then you, it gets turned into a no contest. Immediate thoughts. Where do you go from here? Dude, I didn't even know right away. Oh, seriously? Yeah, I had – right away, I, I – Cub goes up to me. He goes – I'm, like, looking in the camera – so I can see the screen. I'm trying to fix my hair for the interview. <laughs> and Cub goes, it comes up to me. All right, so you're going to ask, you're going to call out this guy, and you're going to do some stupid shit or say something funny, just be you. And then I'm like, and then give me the prime water bottle. I got to ask, <laughs> give me the prime bottle. I need I need prime to make me a squirty bottle like the Gatorade I saw, bottle. Yeah, I saw that on your Instagram. <laughs> My Gatorade bottle has a piece of tape over it that says Dan's Prime. <laughs> That's hilarious. You know. But then I hear them come, the commissioners come back in. Okay, no contest. And I'm like, I look, I'm like, what? I threw the fucking Prime bottle. I'm like, are you kidding me? It's like, you know, think about it. I, 15 weeks I knew about that, or 16 weeks I knew about that date. I ran 40 miles a week on top of three, four hours a day of training of MMA and just all my martial arts and all those runs I had to do. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, it hurt. It hurt. You know, I had so many plans and I could do everything the right way and it'd still be taken. And it just, I was like, man, this, it was crazy. It was it was crazy, and I could do nothing but smile. Because I was like, well, I didn't do anything wrong. I did everything right. If I'm sour about it, I'm going to be sour about bigger things in the future. i gotta, I got to change that right now. So I switched my mind to 
everything's fine. Happened for a reason. You'll be good. You're going to keep going, right? Mm. What was I, was I going to do? Quit? Cry? And then become someone that everyone's like, oh, this guy's not fortunate enough or he didn't have it. I don't care. I, I know I had it. I know that if the ref didn't step in, he was going to be sleeping in the next minute. You know, so that that was tough, but you know, you can only go forward. Yeah, right. And of course, that back that ref has like the background of <laughs> bad stoppages. <laughs> <laughs> He's a good trier. <laughs> He's a good trier. Do, do the refs get like fined if they do that? I don't know. I'm the only person and, that you're loses the only- out. <laughs> yeah, literally. That's oh. wait. So, are you on a? I know a lot of like guys are on like the show and win contract. Yeah, just about everyone is. So do you get your win money? Really? Under contract? No. Nope. Holy crap! Under contract, you do not get it. That guy's. Wow, that guy fucked you. Damn. I did not know that. Yeah. Can everyone, you... I got back to the after party, and my family and everyone's yeah like. No, you won, and you, and I'm yeah, pissed, man. I'm fucking pissed. And they're like, you won, you look great, and this and that. I'm like, you know I only get half my money, right? And they're like, what? My girl's dad walked away, goes up to my dad. He's like, are you kidding me? He gets half his, like, <laughs> furious. I, and, you know, my girl's dad, he was a professional fighter. He was a oh. Division One wrestler. Like, he knows oh, our lives. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's he sick. knows our lives. And he knows that I reached a level where... It's it's difficult. The money that we get, it's, Im- it's important. <laughs> it's know? earned. Yeah. It's, well, it, it's not a lot. It's not a lot. Like, Can for, we ask how much it is? I I could survive. I could survive. And I just got a new contract, so now I got the chance to really be smart and, you know, you can make as much as a doctor if you perform the right way. Sure. You could do that in a year if you perform the right way. Mm-hmm. You know, but the money runs out. You don't get to fight forever. So mm-hmm. it's best to be smart. You know, I wanna, I wanna buy houses. I wanna buy property. You know, within the next year, just so I can say, oh, okay, I put that away already. Now you can really fight for fun. Now the pressure's off. Like that mm-hmm. pressure. Yeah. Now it's not for money. And you know, my dad. My dad saw that I was pissed off. He's like, you gotta stop fighting for money. I'm like, what do you mean? You fight for money because it makes me have fun in camp. I can do things easier, and it, it comes easier. Like, No, I do it for the money. He goes, you have good people and good family around you. You're loved. Fight for that. Keep fighting for that because that's what's going to get you farther. He's like, what? Well, what were you going to do with that money? What would you want? I was like, well, man, I want to get my life started with my girl. I want to – I was like, maybe get a car. Like, I was driving around a – 2005 Toyota Prius with <laughs> the bumper taped on. Named her Stitches. <laughs> Dude. And my dad's like, what kind of car do you want? My, my dad gave me that car like six years ago. For free. Shout out to Pop. <laughs> you know, that thing I put I think it's closed over 300,000 miles. It's seen oh. some things. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Oh yeah. It smells like something. <laughs> and out of like anger, I was like, "No, I'm fine." He's like, "Well, what kind of car do you want?" I'm like, "Not a Prius." <laughs> like, <laughs> like, almost like a, "You can't help me anymore." Not a Prius. <laughs> mm. 
And he's like, I'll, I'll, what do you want? I'll, you could have the Corvette. And I'm like, oh. He's like, and I'm like, no, it's a two-seater. I don't want that. He's like, I got a Mustang. And I was like, really? He's like, yeah, you could take the Mustang. Do whatever you want. Damn. Like, and I'm like, all right, I'll take the Mustang. <laughs> if, like, you, if you insist. Yeah, he's, he's like, yo, just remember, you're going to be fine. Everything's good. Everything's good. Just keep fighting for the love of it. That's what makes me different. I fight for the love of it. You know, he asked me a couple years ago, hey, Dan, when did you realize that you weren't like the rest of these fighters? I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, you went to college, you have great friends, you have great support, you have a loving family, you grew up in a good house. Like, You didn't really grow up with fucked up things in your life. A lot of people you know did. A lot of fighters that we all know did. And I was like, hmm, I, I realized that right away. And he was like, really? And you kept going? Like, you, you stayed in there with them monsters? And I'm like, yeah. Because the thing is, I don't get any excuses. I have to prepare and I have to give it my all and force myself to have that crazy to go out there and win. Mm. A lot of guys, are they're given that through their experiences that might have been messed up. And that's their edge. But it's an excuse at the end of the day. They lose. They get to say, oh, man, my dad whooped my ass when I was a kid. Like, that guy's dad didn't whoop his ass yeah. <laughs> enough. You know, yeah. I got my ass whooped. But, <laughs> like, that's an excuse. And for me, I get to kind of go on with my day knowing I have no excuses. I was set up to win. Mm. I was set up to go far in this. I was, you know, I was given a good life, and I was blessed to go far and use that to the best of my capabilities and you know it's a it's a bless it's a blessing and it's a curse because you know sometimes you're like man that guy's mean like I gotta go fight that guy that guy looks like an asshole but then I get to remember you know he went through some shit I didn't I'm doing this for fun I choose Mm. to do this I choose to suffer because I wanna I like winning I like the glory of it I like the money I like the perks. I like being able to come talk to you guys on a Wednesday afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I I get to do cool shit, man. Sure. That's cool. Yeah. I know we, we have practice here. Just super short, what are you most looking forward to to gain in this practice? Oh, I want to see how many of you guys I can just choke out. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Just let you guys shoot on me and <laughs> work on my chokes. <laughs> now maybe, we, maybe I could... Without Keith here, maybe I could get a finish. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> now, we do have a challenge, the Dopa Break the Bolt Challenge. Are you ready to stretch your limits? Yeah. Let's do it. Do you have the band? Where's the bag? Okay, what am I doing? I'm trying to rip this. Just wait, just wait. One sec. My hands are sweaty. <laughs> yeah, so the goal is you have to break that for $100. Just no, no scissors. You'll get three tries. You can do whatever you want. No one, no, 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 <laughs> no one has broke it yet. Spencer. Oh, that's actually a really good technique. Oh my god. No way. I can't <laughs> even see what's going on. <laughs> oh, it's gonna break me. Look. <laughs> that thing looks like a spider web. Oh, <laughs> How do you have that wrapped on there? <laughs> No way! Break it! Oh, <laughs> dude. 
Well, that's all right. No one has broke it. Um, I mean, not even probably maybe. It's all sweaty, though. <laughs> it's all sweaty. Maybe the world's strongest humans can't do it, but we actually have a dopa bag for you. This bag is worth a hundred dollars. Hundred dollars. Yep. So now you're telling me I got two dopa bags. You'll, you'll get. You got they this got one. me. They sent me one. You already got one. I already got one. They oh. hooked. Thank you, dopa. They, <laughs> they hooked me up after surgery. Oh, no, really? Yeah. Well, there you go. So you got one. you got the bolt in there. You got the yellow stretch, and then you got um the the dopa band that is adjusted to your weight. So. Okay. Okay. Which band do you already have? No straps. They just sent me an orange band. Okay. Oh well, I think you got another one in there. I need to get straps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The one you put, put on your ankles and stuff. Yeah. And do whatever, yeah. Yeah, no. This has there been fun. Go. We actually have lucky, another gift for you, too. Lucky I didn't break this. <laughs> <laughs> I would have said, keep your back. <laughs> and then the second gift is from our producer, Brady Shoe. Clash of Combat oh, plaque. Man. You're the that 15th cool. guest to get it. That is cool, guys. Yeah. Guy on our team makes them himself from his uh, trailer and metal cutting business. That right there is priceless. Dude, thank you guys. Yeah. I need you guys to sign the back. This is oh, awesome. Sweet. For yeah. sure. Thank you. And any last words on the podcast? No, man. I, I Well, yeah, I just want to say, you know, thank you to all my supporters. Thank you to everyone in the wrestling world for kind of continuing to believe me. You know, if it were, wasn't for the wrestling community, I wouldn't have made it this far. Um, my family, my friends, my girlfriend, the Ranger wrestling team, you know, you guys I, helped me learn so many lessons as a kid, so it, it, uh, it's cool to see the next generation of guys going, going through the pipeline. For sure. So I'm excited for you guys. You guys have a great coach in Nick Becker, and I think the sky's the limit for this team. So. Yes, sir. All yeah, right. That's awesome. Well, thanks for coming. Yep. Oh, thank you guys. See you guys later.